Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9 and 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God blesses you through doing so. Amen. I'm entering across the Jordan. Move into that place of promise that God has for us. There are lies of the devil, but there's the promises of God. We sang that song, standing on the promises. God has promises for his church. He has promises for you in 2012. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 1. Great to see you guys today. How many pumped about this year? Uh, if you, some of you were out of town last week. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. Put your umbrellas up. Let's let God rain down on us. God visit us in a powerful, powerful, mighty way. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 1. Let's stand together this morning for the reading of God's word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land that I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward going down to the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What a great promise. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Let's all say that much together. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you would divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your forefathers to give to them. Only, let's say it again, be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do all the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, let's say it again, church, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your powerful word today, and I just pray, God, it will find fertile ground. Lord, anoint me as I preach your word. Anoint the ears of everyone here to receive the word of God, to hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. We love you, God, and we ask all this in your holy mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone, tell them to be strong today. For 40 years, Israel had been wandering in the wilderness. They were in the place between. They they had left Egypt's bondage. Egypt was behind them. They were in bondage there for 400 years. God, by his mighty hand, delivers them out. But they had not yet got into the promised land. The promised land would be their new home. 
The promised land would be a place of warfare. It would also be a place of great, incredible victories. And yet they weren't there yet. They were in that in-between time. They're, they're, they're out of their bondage, but they're not yet home. Now listen, when God saves us, he takes us out of our bondage to sin and bondage to Satan and bondage to the devil uh, and, and, and the slavery that had ruled over us, our old masters. Uh, we are set free. Aren't you glad when he took you out by his mighty hand? And God gave us a brand new life. And yet, there are so many promises in the word of God that is there for the church, that is there for every single believer. I thought Craig was going to preach my sermon this morning when he got going. He's going to get excited up here. There's promises in God's word for us still yet to possess, yet to take hold of. And yet, many believers fail to live in that realm of victory or promise or, or their inheritance that God has for them. They're still in the middle. They're not quite there yet. Hey, this year, I believe in 2012, God wants you to cross over your Jordan. It's time. It's time to quit messing around. It's time to quit playing games. It's time to quit staying in that middle ground. Uh, it's time to live in a place, uh, stop living in that place of defeat, uh, but move on in to obtain every single promise that God has for you and God has your, for your family and God has for this body of believers right here at Faith Assembly of God. I believe this is going to be our year. This year, God wants to deepen your growth. He wants to take you deeper in the word of God. He wants your roots to go deep into the soil of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to strengthen your love for one another in the body of Christ. God wants you to utilize your spiritual gifts. You have gifts that God has given you by the Holy Spirit. He has gifted every single believer here in the body of Christ. You have a unique gift that God has for you, and yet some of you have taken those gifts and put them up on a shelf for a more convenient time. I want to tell you, 2012 is going to be your year to begin using your gifts. He wants to develop in you all the fruits of the Spirit of God that we read about in God's Word. He wants to brighten your light so it will shine brighter in 2012 than it has ever shown before. God wants... Us to move forward at faith assembly of God. God wants us to have incredible experiences of countering God every time we come together. That, that the, the atmosphere will be so charged with the anointing and presence of the Spirit of God. That lives will be touched and changed and, and we'll see the miraculous like we sang about. God wants to equip believers to find their place of ministry and service in the body of Christ. God wants to draw us closer together in embracing one another in love and in ministry. God wants us to increase our evangelism, reaching out to this community all around us and not just here, but all around the world. Because that's what the church is about. Not just coming in here doing the same old, same old week after week, but there's a lost world that needs to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. God's heart is to bring every single one of us into that glorious place of promise. And like the scripture says, every place the sole of your feet shall tread upon, I will give you that land. Amen? God has to give it to us. And yet I will tell you, it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be obstacles along the way. 
There will be a river to cross as you begin to move into the Jordan. When you get to the other side, there will be walled cities. There will be armies. You will feel like grasshoppers in their sights. And as you endeavor to move forward with God, every kind of voice imaginable is going to come along beside you and tell you, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't make it. You're not strong enough. You're not big enough. You don't have enough talent. There's no way you can do it. And every voice will tell you not to go. The skeptics are always there. Anytime you take a step of faith and move out for God, there will be skeptics along the way who will tell you, you can't do it. There's really three kinds of skeptics that come our way. There is the outward skeptics. Those are those well-meaning friends and family members who will challenge what God is calling us to do. They will say, did God really say that? Did God really say? Is that really for you? Is that just for somebody else? Are you just being fanatic or weird or are you moving out in presumption? And, and so your family will often discourage you. Your friends will discourage you. And so they will be skeptical. There will be demonic skeptics. The voice of the evil one, when he comes to attack, who seeks to derail our trust and our faith in God. And you saw in the trailer I played at the beginning, uh, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the enemy says, you can't do it. You can't take the land. Uh, uh, You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. Uh, And so that voice of the enemy is always there, sometimes ringing in our ears, trying to dissuade us from what God wants us to do. And then there's that inner skeptic. That's ourselves. That's simply my own inadequacies. That's the voice inside of my mind uh, that raises every argument imaginable against obeying God and following God and serving God wholeheartedly. I can imagine Joshua, as he was getting ready to go across the Jordan River, he had felt like God had called him to do this. But I believe every one of these skeptics must have spoke in Joshua's heart before it came time for him to cross the Jordan River. Whoever God is, whenever God is calling us to cross the Jordan into uncharted territory, it is going to require faith. Faith. Faith is the substance of things not seen. It is those things you have never, ever experienced before in your life. And so in order to experience those new things, uh, the Bible says it's going to require faith to overcome the voice of the skeptics. They're telling you you can't do it. Now, God has called us to cross the Jordan River. And I don't believe it's his will that one of us be left behind. But when you stand on the brink of the Jordan... And it comes time to actually cross over. That's probably the time when you may experience the greatest fear that you've ever experienced in your life. Or or anxiety. Or all those doubts will come and they will flood your mind. Or all those uncertainties. I I remember one time when we were on uh, one of our maps trips in Costa Rica. In our free day we took up and we went on up into the higher places of Costa Rica. And they had some whitewater rafting and we did that. But they had this one thing repelling. And we went up on side of this cliff and they put ropes around us and we were supposed to repel down the side of that cliff. Now, now what they said was to start out, you simply, they, they harness you in the ropes and you've got to lean back over the precipice of that mountain 
And, uh, and that's how you start out. And you get out there and you hold for just a minute until they give you the signal. And then you start going down the side of the mountain. Listen, I was scared to death. It was a, a fearful, scary time because you're hanging out over nothing by one rope and all these things are flooding your mind. What if the rope breaks? What if they let go down below? What will happen to me? And all these kind of weird thoughts just come flooding through your mind. And as I started to repel down the mountain, I'm pushing off and I do well for a while. And then the cliff kind of cut back under and all of a sudden I missed it with with one of my feet and I start banging up against the rocks and beating back and forth. Anyway, I made it down safely. Uh, But it's a scary time. And so it is when you're on the brink of the Jordan River, if it's something new, something you've never ever done before, you can be overwhelmed by fear. And then those skeptic voices are in your brain saying, what in the world are you doing trying to cross this river? That's the time the enemy in our flesh puts up all the resistance. What's the skeptic say? I want to give you seven things. Jot these down. They're on the back of your outlines this morning. Seven things that the skeptic will tell you and that we buy into if we're not careful. Number one, it's easier where you're at now. Life's easier just to stay right where you're at. Life is easier on this side of the Jordan. We've been out here for all these years. We're comfortable. There's no big bad enemies out here. We've been here long enough. No one's fighting us anymore. We're just hanging out here on this side of the Jordan. We are maintaining our status quo. The problem is, if you remain in a place of comfortability, you risk losing your vision and passion for what God has called you to do. As soon as you begin to say, I'm fine right where I'm at, and everything's going great, and I don't need anything else in my life, uh, you, you, you set yourself up for defeat. That's why three times Joshua said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous to what God is calling you to do. You see, in the natural, we can't do it. We have to rely on the courage of the Lord. When we're on the brink of the Jordan right there, we got to be courageous. Ephesians 6 and 10 puts it this way. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Yes, in the natural, it may be easier just to remain where you're at, not to move forward. Uh, but if you will be strong and courageous in the Lord, he will help you to move forward. Second thing the skeptic says is too much work. Too much work. If you cross the Jordan, you're going to wear yourself out. You'll burn out. Hear a lot about burnout today. We don't want anybody burning out. I can't take on one more thing. My life's too busy right now. I can't do one more thing. It's too much work. There's probably over 1 million Israelites at this time, 1 to 2 million, maybe, maybe as much as 2 million Israelites right now in the wilderness. And for them to cross the Jordan River, they, they had pregnant ladies in the group. They had those who may have been infirmed, They had uh, very young babies and young children. And, of course, the river would definitely be over their heads. And they had the possibility of drowning. They had all the logistics to work out, all the uh, things, all the efforts of planning. uh, uh, How do we uh, carry our stuff over? All these kind of things are going through their head. It's going to be a lot of work. Crossing the Jordan was certainly not the easiest path for them to pursue. And for us to move forward, often it requires extra preparation It requires extra study. 
It requires getting ourselves ready and our giftings. Uh, it may cost you time. It will cost you resources. Uh, it is difficult always to go that extra mile, uh, and, and uh, especially when we're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed already. It's just too hard. It's, it's just too much work. Well, let me let you in on a little clue. God doesn't want anybody to burn out. And yet so often we use that as an excuse. I can't get involved in this ministry. I can't get involved in that ministry. I might just burn out along the way. Listen, many of you may need to let go of something uh, that is of no use to the kingdom of God so you can grab a hold of something that God is calling us to do. If you want to hang on to every leisure activity and every hobby you have along the way and everything you want to do to have your own fun and do your own thing, you might not be able to take on some extra ministries. But what is going to result in kingdom growth? Kingdom advancement. It may be meaning letting go of something. Uh, you know, he, he said, let us run the race with perseverance. Uh, he said, laying aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us. Uh, and there's some stuff we're involved in. Uh, there's some junk we're involved in that's holding us back in winning the race. And so the Holy Spirit would say to your heart, what do you need to let go of that you can move forward and cross the Jordan? And possess the land and the promises God has for you. God's given everything you need. Craig read it earlier. 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God has provided everything we need to do what he's called us to do. God's provided the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we've been praying all week. Come back tonight, 6 o'clock, right here. There's going to be many that are going to be baptized and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given us all the gifts, all the abilities, all the energy. Uh, you need to do what God has called you to do. Listen, you will not burn out if you live and walk in the Spirit of God. That doesn't have to be a fear in your heart. If you're obeying God's voice and doing what God is calling you to do, you don't have to worry about burnout. It's a lot of the things we're doing we haven't been called by God to do, and that's where the problem comes in. Here's a third thing that you need to be aware of that the skeptics will say. They'll say, some will not like it. When we get ready to move forward with God, there will be those who will disagree with you. It might even make some of your friends, some of your family mad at you. In, in, in verse 2 of this text that I read to you, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan. I wonder how many times Joshua had been hearing the comparisons between Moses and him. I wonder how many times the advisor said, you know what? Moses would have done it this way. Moses was a great guy. I don't know if you got what Moses had. I don't know if you're, you're quite there yet, Joshua. And he probably heard all of his critics saying, you're not good enough. You're not sharp enough. You're not another Moses, Joshua. Who do you think you are to take us across the Jordan River? And, 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 and Joshua's always walking this fine line of honoring Moses, uh, but at the same time, moving Israel to a new level. He had to take them into the next level. You know, he would take Israel to a place Moses was not allowed to go into. 
And yet there, there were those there skeptics along the way saying, well, Moses wouldn't have done it like that. And so he starts out this text, Moses, my servant, is dead. He's gone. He did a great job, did a great work. He got us this far, but he's gone and done. You've got to move out in what God is calling you to do, Joshua. He had led Israel as a general into battle. Joshua had a great general, proved to be a trusted leader, had earned a great deal of trust. But his advisors may have said, Joshua, you know, you've worked hard to get where you're at now. You, you, you've uh, earned political capital. You've got popularity right now. And now you're going to risk it all by crossing the Jordan, leading us into potential disaster. His advisors may have said, you know what, Joshua, you'd be a lot better off just to stay right here. Things are going well. There's no need to change. Why rock the boat now? In fact, there were two and a half tribes who said, you know what, Joshua, we think your plan is stupid. We're not going over. We like the land we're in now. Our families are settled. They're raising their animals. We've been here long enough. We're going to remain right here. We don't want to cross over. Our families are already situated. And by the way, if we stay over here, there's no battles to fight. Look at what Joshua says in verse number 12. Drop down. Joshua lays down the law. And he has some words for these two and a half tribes. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites... And half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest and is giving you this land. Have you forgotten the promise of God? Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord has given your brethren rest, and he has given you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it. And Moses and the Lord's servants gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. He says, you know what? If you want to live here, that's fine, but we're going to fight. You're not going to miss the battle. You're not going to miss the warfare. We're fighting together. You're going to fight right beside your brothers. You're not going to leave them to do it all by themselves. Uh, I want all your fighting men to move out with us. Now, Now look at Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. I want you to hear this. Moses is, is explaining to the people what would happen if they stayed back. And he says, but if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord. Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, listen, I, I don't know about you guys, but we have taken that scripture, be sure your sin will find you out, way out of context. We use that to de- define any kind of secret sin a man may be involved in or a lady may be involved in. And so we always threaten them by saying, be sure your sins will find you out. Your parents may tell that to your kids. Be sure your sins will find you out. That's really a misquotation of the scripture right here. The word sin is the word singular. It was the sin of middle ground. It was the sin of not moving forward, not possessing the land that God has called you to possess. It is the sin of compromise. It is the sin of apathy. It is the sin of I'm fine right where I'm at. 
He's not talking about those deep, dark, secret sins that you hide in your life. That's not the reference here. He is talking about a specific sin of two and a half tribes who said, you know what? We're going to stay right here. We're not moving any further. And Moses says, be sure your sin will find you out. Not crossing the Jordan, not fighting with your brothers and sisters, uh, not being engaged in warfare, not reaching out, not doing what God has called us to do is a sin of compromise. It's a sin of apathy. If you refuse to move forward with God and what God is calling you to do, you place yourself on dangerous ground. So middle ground becomes dangerous ground. And as you study the history of Israel, the first tribes that fell into idolatry was Reuben, Gad, and half the tribes of Manasseh. The ones who stayed back, the ones who said, we don't want to move into that place of promise, the ones who wanted to do nothing, they are the first tribes to enter into idolatry. And the warning was given to them, be sure your sin will find you out. Boy, it's quiet in here. Anybody still out there? I was doing fine till I got there. Ultimately, we are not called upon to please men, but to please God. Friends and families may say, why, why start, try to start a new business in this economy? Don't you know it's nuts? Don't you know it's crazy? Don't you know you could drown out there? Uh, uh, others are going to say, why get involved in this ministry? Why do this right now? You've just got too much going on. You can't do it. Are you nuts working with kids? Uh, are you nuts working with teenagers? They'll drive you crazy. What are you doing? What's going on right now? Uh, uh, what do you really want to do with your life? And, and they'll be out there. I can't support this. I don't think God would be pleased. I don't think God is in you. I don't think God would ask you to take this kind of risk. And the skeptics are always there. How about this one? How can we launch another campus? There's still seats available in our church. Pastor, are you nuts? We don't have enough people. We don't have enough money. Don't have enough resources. Why even begin to think about it now? The skeptics will be there. But let me tell you what will happen in the reverse. When you take a bold move of faith, it may bring out the skeptics, but it will also draw an army of God who will begin to pray, begin to seek God, work, and and God will raise up workers you never thought existed. You know, when we got ready to plan our campuses, I heard about, we don't have enough workers. That's all I heard. No, there's not enough workers. We can't do it. There's, we just, we just, we're spread too thin now. Our workers are stretched too thin now. As we have opened three other campuses last year, God has raised up new workers that we could have never dreamed or imagined because they got a hold of faith. They got a hold of the vision. And so now we have new musicians. Uh, we have new singers. Uh, we have intercessory prayer warriors on every campus. We have altar workers on every campus. Uh, we have leaders. Uh, We have ushers and greeters and children's workers and youth workers, workers that would still be sitting here doing nothing had we not walked across the Jordan River and opened up these new campuses and new opportunities for ministry. So the skeptics will be there saying you're taking a big risk. You're nuts. You're going to drown out there in the river. But there will be those with faith rise up and say, listen, we serve a big God, so be strong and be courageous. 
Number four, they will say it's physically impossible. Physically impossible. Can't be done. There's just no way possible. And this is what they uh, turn to Joshua chapter 3 and verse 14. And so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, they set their feet to the priest who bore the Ark and dipped it in the edge of the water. And look at this next phrase. For the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest. It's flood time. That the waters which came down from the upstream stood and rose a very uh, rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city of the besides Zeratim. The waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priest who bowed the ark of the covenant stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people crossed completely over the Jordan. Go back to verse 10. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. And he will without fail drive out all the Canaanites, the Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, etc., etc. God was setting Israel up. Because in the natural, this is the lousiest time to be crossing rivers. It's flood time. The rivers are higher and faster and deeper than ever before. The waters, the currents moving faster, it's higher, it's over everybody's head, they're going to drown. Why does God pick this time? Why didn't he wait six months till the dry season? Because in verse number 10, the bottom line was so that you would know that there is a living God among you. You see, if we could do it in the natural, God wouldn't get the glory. It would be all about us and our ingenuity and what great swimmers we are. God sets Israel up to the worst possible time to cross. Everybody else may have said, hey, Joshua, just just wait a while. The, The rains will stop. The floods will stop. We got these pregnant ladies here. We got these small children. They'll drown. We got to get them across. But when God calls to do what is impossible or uh, unnatural, he does it so that he may get all the glory and all the praise. Flood stage. Conditions were perfect for God to display his might. Flood stage. May look at, you may look at crossing your own Jordan and you think in the natural, I don't have the strength. I don't have the finances. I don't have the help I need. Uh, that's right where God wants you to be. Because he gives a promise in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's when God shines through. uh, And when you step out in faith, then God gets all the glory and the honor and praise. uh, Because the Bible says, for with God, nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. Number five, the skeptics will say, you know what? It's too risky too risky just a big risk that we don't need to take look at verse number 13 then it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of their feet of the priest there were joshua 3 and 13 shall come to pass as soon as uh, the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the lord their god shall rest on the waters of the jordan that the waters of the jordan shall be cut off the waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap you know, think about this When they came to the Red Sea, what happened? 
Moses held out his rod. And the water stopped. And they parted. And they walked through on dry ground. This time, the priests were to go out and stand in the river. Now, you read it. It's there. Just go out and step in the water. They were going out and stand in the river. I can imagine the skeptics saying, you know, God didn't do it this way before. This is not the way we did it 40 years ago. This is a different way, Joshua. Are you nuts? And there were probably times when Joshua wished he had a stick he could have held up in the air. A whole lot easier to see first that the waters are going to stop. Right? Hold the stick up. Hold the staff up. Let's see what happens to the waters. Then we'll cross over. This time, God is very specific. He wants you to put your foot into the water. Now, maybe God is asking you to step out and put your foot into the water. There's the risk. What if nothing happens? What if the water keeps flowing? I'm already out here. I'm already getting out in this water with the Ark of the Covenant. I could lose it. Far more risky to step out into the water than just watch God do it and hold a rod out there. You with me? Listen, maybe God is asking you to step and do something you've never done before. It's never been done that way before. Maybe God is asking you to step into a family situation as you never have before. Maybe God is calling you to speak to a friend who's fallen into sin and messing up. And he wants you to get involved in that man's life and reach out and touch him and help him and step out into the water with him. Uh, maybe God is speaking, asking you to speak boldly to an unbeliever. And you'll say, you know what? I've never witnessed before. I've never talked about Jesus before. I've never uh, talked about my faith before, but this year God is laying somebody in your heart. Go speak to them. Go talk to them. Go share my good news with them. And listen, you, you, you might feel uncomfortable with that, and, and that's okay. And, and you may feel weak and feel like maybe I can't do this, uh, but that's when you say, God, I need your strength and I need your courage. Sometimes people say, you know what? I just don't feel a peace about that. Just don't feel at peace. That sounds real spiritual. Becomes a great cop-out. Becomes a great excuse. Listen, if you stopped every time you felt a lack of peace or uneasiness, you would never do anything for God. Every new adventure, stepping your feet out into the river, you might not feel a whole peace in your heart about the whole thing. You may be scared to death. Obey God. God does promise a peace that surpasses all understanding, uh, but it doesn't guarantee there won't be times uh, when our boat is rocked uh, and when the storm is coming uh, and the waves are breaking over the boat uh, and we want to cry out, God, don't you care that we're drowning down here? Master, don't you care that we perish? And we shout out to God. And God shouts right back, be strong and be courageous. My strength, my courage. When our boat is rocking, we've got to be able to hear God's still small voice in the middle of the storm saying, peace be still, peace be still. And in those times of uneasiness, in those times of fear, we press on more to hear that voice of God. We press into the word of God. We press into that place of prayer until we, the peace of God comes. The sixth thing the skeptics will say 
is you'll make a fool of yourself. You're going to get out there and you're going to make an idiot of yourself, a fool of yourself. If you fail, people may turn away from God. Doesn't work out. They're going to say, where's your God now? How come you got out here in flood? I thought God was calling you to cross the Jordan and now you're out here swimming for your life. And, 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 and you know what? You're going to make a fool of yourself. God never wanted Joshua to lead Israel across the Jordan so Joshua could be seen. You see, it wasn't about Joshua. It wasn't about his reputation. It wasn't about, look at what a great leader Joshua was. Uh, God's calling was simply to obey. It wasn't about him getting the glory. The results then are up to him. Now that's liberating. If God calls us to step out in faith and do something, you obey him, you do what God's calling you to do, and then you just leave the results to God. Leave the, leave the results to God. God tells you to lay hands on the sick and pray for them. You obey God and do what God's called you to do, and God has called us to do that. You leave the results to him. You can't heal anybody. But it doesn't stop you from stepping out and boldly saying in the name of Jesus, be healed. That, that's part of stepping in the river. Don't, don't worry about God's reputation. God can handle himself. You do what God has called you to do. The results are up to him. How many have drifted away from faith altogether because of a past failure? Because they don't think God came through like he thought they would because things didn't turn out like they expected. Listen, your Jordan this year may be crossing that river uh, of disappointment, of past disappointment or past hurts or or past failures. Uh, Listen, because it may not have worked out for you in the past, it doesn't mean God still has a place of promise for you. Step on out and cross your Jordan and trust God in that brand new way he will take you in. It's time to trust God for your children. Trust God for your marriage. Trust God for your ministry fulfillment. Trust God for every promise. Maybe you need freedom from a habit today. Maybe you need a... a uh, there's, there's fear holding you back. Maybe you need a miracle, uh, a, a supernatural intervention from God. But God is saying, listen, it's not going to happen until you put that first foot out and get into the water. You've got to take that first step of faith. Get your feet in the river. A century ago in China, there were faithful missionaries who were there sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And decade after decade, they toiled with very little success. Some of them had one convert, some maybe two, some none after their time of staying there. But during the revolution, all the missionaries were forced out of China. Some were killed as they were fleeing. It was a very desperate time for those missionaries who were over there. And when they got back and to the mainland, it may have looked like in the natural, they had very little success for all their labors and all their toils in that land. Uh, They may have looked like a failure. They may have looked like they had stepped out in presumption. Uh, Many of those died, never seeing the promises of God fulfilled. But today, listen to me, there are 60 million Chinese believers worshiping God in underground churches all across that land, uh, all across that great nation. Uh, Listen, in the natural, their efforts may have seemed like a failure, but those missionaries kept faithfully planting seeds. Uh, They kept faithfully doing what God had called them to do. Uh, And even though they didn't get to see all the results of their labors, uh, God brought it to pass. Uh, 
Listen, it may seem like nothing's happening in the natural and you look around and you see what is God doing here? God, I'm trying to serve you. Uh, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I'm doing what you've called me to do. Uh, and in the natural, you may not see anything happening, but God in the supernatural is bringing it to pass. And he will do it for you as well. When God calls you to cross the Jordan and step out, leave the results to him. Listen to this promise, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The last skeptic will say this. You know what? When you cross the river, your struggles are only beginning. If you step out, you go across that river, your troubles, your trials, your tests will never end. Now, now listen to me. As formidable as that river was, even at flood stage, it probably wasn't a great as obstacle as the walled cities and the giants in the promised land. There were 31 different kings in Canaan at this time, and every one of them wanted to wipe out the nation of Israel. It was one small nation going against all the inhabitants of the land of Canaan. There was a whole lot less opposition to stay where they were at. And maybe the report of the spies that had come back 40 years earlier, maybe that old report comes ringing up in their ears all over again. Maybe the spies were right in the first place. Maybe the giants were too big. Maybe the walls were too high. And those skeptic voices will cry out, now, now, here's what I want us to get today, and I'm about to wrap this up. Many people view the promised land as heaven. There's a lot of analogies of crossing the, the Jordan River when we pass to the other side and when we die and we finally reach that home of promise. Listen, the Canaan was not a type of heaven. If it was, I, it, it would be tough in heaven. Heaven was a place of battles and warfare and victory and conquest. It was not a type of heaven. It, and what does that mean for us? The, only, the goal in life for the child of God is not just simply to get into heaven. That's not our ultimate goal is to get saved. I give, give my heart to Jesus and I'm saved and now I'm on my way to heaven and that's what I'm living my life for right now, simply to escape this earth and one day get to heaven. But listen, the goal in life for the child of God is to live and walk and move in a place of victory right now and for all eternity. God gave Israel a mission that when they crossed into the promised land, they were to clean up the land. And God would use Israel to restore and clean up the land of promise and the land of Canaan. Turn to Judges chapter 3. The next book over. Judges chapter 3 and verse number 1. Their goal was not just to get in there and camp out and rest and party the rest of their days. Judges 3 verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left. That he might test Israel in them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was, this was only so that the generations of Israel might be taught to know war. At least those who had not formerly known it. 
namely five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites who dwell on Mount Lebanon from Mount uh, Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Listen, when you finally make that decision to cross over, you are also entering into the fighting ring. You're entering into the ring. You're entering into spiritual warfare with the enemy. You are entering to fight. You are entering a battle. You see, if you do nothing for God, if you just simply come and sit in church every Sunday, you're no threat to the devil. He'd care less about you. He'd just leave you alone. Once you begin to move out and cross the Jordan River and begin to move to possess the promises that God has for you and your family and your neighborhood, once you begin to move out to take the land, I will tell you all hell will break out against you. The armies will be there to fight you every step of the way. But you see, the only way your faith can be strengthened is to go through warfare. And so the word of God says, I left the nations in there so you could know war and your faith could be strengthened. Without a fight, there's no need for our faith, our spiritual muscles to be strengthened. And the only way that we can set other people free is to move out and do what God has called us to be. It's the way we rescue people all around us from the nations they are held into captivity by. As soon as the priest stepped out in the water, God put down his hand. He stopped the water from flowing. The people moved out. They surrounded the city of Jericho. They marched around it every day, seven days in a row. On the seventh day, they went around seven times. And God's mighty hand came down and he smashed those walls right down in the ground. It's interesting to note that taking the promised land was never completed in Joshua's lifetime. He didn't see the job completed. He never saw it get done under his leadership. And there were battles every step of the way. So what am I saying? After we cross the Jordan, it's not time to stop growing. It's not time to stop praying. It's not time to stop seeking God. It's not time to stop trusting in the Lord. It's not time to stop reaching out by faith. Just because you cross the river, it means the battle's only begun. But I want to tell you, we've got the Lord on our side. It guarantees we will win. Today, God is calling us to cross over. And it may just start with your big toe. I want you to get it out there. I want you to get it wet. Doesn't matter how deep the river is. Doesn't matter what the skeptics may say. Doesn't matter what the enemies are on the other side of the river. God has called us to be victorious. Listen, God is on our side. If God before us. Who can be against us? Trust God to lead you across the river. God is faithful. And he will do it for you as well. When God calls you to cross the Jordan and step out, leave the results to him. Listen to this promise, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The last skeptic will say this. You know what? When you cross the river, your struggles are only beginning. 
you step out, you go across that river, your troubles, your trials, your tests will never end. Now, now listen to me. As formidable as that river was, even at flood stage, it probably wasn't as great as obstacle as the walled cities and the giants in the promised land. There were 31 different kings in Canaan at this time, and every one of them wanted to wipe out the nation of Israel. It was one small nation going against all the inhabitants of the land of Canaan. There was a whole lot less opposition to stay where they were at. And maybe the report of the spies that had come back 40 years earlier, maybe that old reports comes ringing up in their ears all over again. Maybe the spies were right in the first place. Maybe the giants were too big. Maybe the walls were too high. And those skeptic voices will cry out. Now, now here's what I want us to get today, and I'm about to wrap this up. Many people view the promised land as heaven. There's a lot of analogies of crossing the, the Jordan River when we pass to the other side and when we die and we finally reach that home of promise. Listen, the Canaan was not a type of heaven. If it was, I, it, it would be tough in heaven. Heaven was a place of battles and warfare and victory and conquest. It was not a type of heaven. It, and what does that mean for us? The, only, the goal in life for the child of God is not just simply to get into heaven. That's not our ultimate goal is to get saved. I give, give my heart to Jesus and I'm saved and now I'm on my way to heaven and that's what I'm living my life for right now, simply to escape this earth and one day get to heaven. But listen, the goal in life for the child of God is to live and walk and move in a place of victory right now and for all eternity. God gave Israel a mission that when they crossed into the promised land, they were to clean up the land. And God would use Israel to restore and clean up the land of promise and the land of Canaan. Turn to Judges chapter 3. The next book over. Judges chapter 3 and verse number 1. Their goal was not just to get in there and camp out and rest and party the rest of their days. Judges 3 verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel in them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was, this was only so that the generations of Israel might be taught to know war. At least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites, who dwell on Mount Lebanon from Mount uh, Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left that he might test Israel by them. To know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Listen, when you finally make that decision to cross over, you are also entering into the fighting ring. You're entering into the ring. You're entering into spiritual warfare with the enemy. You are entering to fight. You are entering a battle. You, You see, if you do nothing for God, if you just simply come and sit in church every Sunday... You're no threat to the devil. He'd care less about you. He'd just leave you alone. Once you begin to move out and cross the Jordan River 
and begin to move to possess the promises that God has for you and your family and your neighborhood, once you begin to move out to take the land, I will tell you all hell will break out against you. The armies will be there to fight you every step of the way. But you see, the only way your faith can be strengthened is to go through warfare. And so the word of God says, I left the nations in there so you could know war and your faith could be strengthened. Without a fight, there's no need for our faith, our spiritual muscles to be strengthened. And the only way that we can set other people free is to move out and do what God has called us to be. It's the way we rescue people all around us from the nations they are held into captivity by. As soon as the priest stepped out in the water, God put down his hand. He stopped the water from flowing. The people moved out. They surrounded the city of Jericho. They marched around it every day, seven days in a row. On the seventh day, they went around seven times. And God's mighty hand came down and he smashed those walls right down in the ground. It's interesting to note that taking the promised land was never completed in Joshua's lifetime. He didn't see the job completed. He never saw it get done under his leadership. And there were battles every step of the way. So what am I saying? After we cross the Jordan, it's not time to stop growing. It's not time to stop praying. It's not time to stop seeking God. It's not time to stop trusting in the Lord. It's not time to stop reaching out by faith. Just because you cross the river, it means the battle's only begun. But I want to tell you, we've got the Lord on our side. It guarantees we will win. Today, God is calling us to cross over. And it may just start with your big toe. I want you to get it out there. I want you to get it wet. Doesn't matter how deep the river is. Doesn't matter what the skeptics may say. Doesn't matter what the enemies are on the other side of the river. God has called us to be victorious. Listen, God is on our side. If God before us, Who can be against us? Trust God to lead you across the river. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise, church. Thank you, mighty God. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.